Again, right on time. Was that you or me? That was me. Oh, nice. That was well, me. That was your fault. That was my that was best fiends saying, come get your daily gift. Okay, fine, I'll get it later. Alright, <laughs> on that note, hello and welcome to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Tony. That's not true. Wait, reverse that. Yep. I'm Tony. And I'm Tim. Yeah, there we, got right we this go. Time. Now we have. Good job, it. everybody. <laughs> High fives all around. Absolutely. Ah, well, Tony. Last week was definitely a was a sort of a spooky haunted tour of a wonderful house. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was good. It was nice. Yep. I got no commission off that sale. Unfortunately, this bastard. Yeah. yeah, you're still fine. Sorry, man. The the check bounced. What can I say? Well, you know. <laughs> I write hot checks all the time, and it haven't caught up to me until now. <laughs> well, Tim just admitted to a crime, so. <laughs> and all that. I, never mind. I'm, I'm never mind. I'm I don't I'm, write hot checks. I don't. They're room temperature. Exactly. They're lukewarm at worst. God. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so, so, uh... we, so we are. So we are, you know, a little over halfway through December now. It's December 19th at the for when this episode releases and i thought you know what it is that time of the season so a couple weeks ago we talked about krampus the most people think of as the christmas devil so we focused on the sort of negative side of things but again i don't think he was negative we're actually going to focus now on somebody who's a lot more prominent in most of western culture santa claus himself Compared to other topics I have covered, this one is actually very tame. No, we're going to talk about Hermie the Elf. Hermie has nothing to involve here, dude. Hermie wanted to be a dentist, goddammit. Let him follow his own, but this is not who we're talking about. I said this one is a fairly tame episode compared to the other topics I've researched. What is more tame than a damn dentist? Have you ever actually met some dentists? Some of them are pretty unhinged. You're a dentist? No. Okay, you're just... So you have no excuse, then. No, no. I. Uh, people ask what's wrong with you. I say, take a number. Yep. <laughs> That's just how it goes. I say that so often at work. It's like, what's wrong with you? I say, you ever been to a deli? Take a number. God. Okay, so Santa Claus. Yeah, we're in the spirit of December and the Christmas time. So I thought, why the hell not? Now, when I covered Krampus, I briefly touched on, you know, St. Nicholas and how that all happened. So I want to actually give a deeper dive into the man behind Santa Claus, as well as a few other figures that became major influences in Santa's design, how he got his name, and how he has also almost been canceled a few times. So we're going to deep dive into the SCEU, huh? Pretty much. The the SCCU? What? SCEU, is that it? Santa Santa Claus Claus Extended Extended Universe? Universe. Jesus Christ! (laughs) How do we do that? <laughs> but, it's because we are on a podcast and we have time for these kind of thoughts to let, to intrude. No kidding. I would also like to point out that I went to a few very good sites to help out. One of which is from a blog, from a blog called uh, "The Long Strange History of Santa Claus" by Spencer McDaniel. She is a also a student of history and she actually researches very in-depth uh topics pertaining to a good chunk of history 
So I actually do have to thank her for uh, doing that. For letting us backpack off your studying. (laughs) Now, due to records being printed on papyrus or parchment, that meant everything had to be rewritten because of how less durable these materials were. So a good chunk of the original St. Nicholas's life is very much left up to speculation, not to mention the time that Nicholas was said to be alive. I mentioned this back in the Krampus yeah. episode. So this is some of this is a little bit uh, just a gloss over. Double backing, yeah. A little, little gloss over to help us get into play. Most agree that his birthday falls around March 15th, uh, 270 AD, and his death falls around December 6th, 343 AD. Keep those dates in mind because this is a little sidestep into a little bit later on the rather tumultuous time in Romans, Rome's time of history. In the times that Nicholas was said to be alive, the Roman Empire was going through a very nasty power struggle. The emperor at the time was Diocletian, and he saw that Rome's empire was way too massive for one person to govern. So he thought of the idea of the Tetrarchy, wherein there would be four emperors, two in the west, two in the east as we have had it hammered into our heads by Dr. Crow many times <laughs> in the past. You're going to fig- You're gonna figure out how this was going to go, though, right? I mean, oh, seriously. Yeah. Like, history, yeah. Our, was, our old history, co- college history professor is going to be involved. Yeah, this is very, this is very Games of Thronesy power struggle in Nicholas's lifetime. Yeah. So going off what many consider the complete biography of St. Nicholas, I actually managed to find appropriately titled The Life of St. Nicholas by Michael the Archimandrite. And an Archimandrite is sort of like a superior abbot, kind of like a cardinal to a bishop, okay. if that helps you out. It's, yeah, it puts uh, in perspective. An Archimandrite is more in the um, Eastern Church sort of thing. Yeah, Eastern Orthodox. But there's a new word for you, kids. <laughs> Archimandrite. Word of the day. <laughs> Anyway, I say I say complete with quotations because this work was written in uh, the 800s CE, which is 500 years after St. Nicholas's purported death. Jesus. Yeah. Some scholars are cautious since, you know, no one is certain where Michael the Archimandrite had gotten his sources from. The likelihood of a good chunk of it being oral tradition and older written sources. Not to mention some of the stories included that seemed to be very similar to another biography about a Greek philosopher named Apollonius of Tyana. This shouldn't be a shocker, since many early to medieval Christian storytellers would circumvent pagan stories to fit their narrative. Mm-hmm. So, still, uh, no old, no original ideas. They're just rehashing <laughs> old ideas. <laughs> They're just slapping a nice Christian label on it and calling it good. Yeah, and Apollonius, it, I... Not, I did look a little into him, not enough to actually like have a proper you discussion. Know, discussion on, yeah. but a lot of stories that he had were very similar to St. Nicholas's, and he yeah. was a little older than St. Nicholas, so it wouldn't surprise me, but back to it. Um, St. Nicholas was born to wealthy Greek Christian parents in the city of Patara, which is not too far from Myra, which is in modern-day Turkey, as mm. also mentioned. There's speculation as to the names of his parents, because, again, records are not properly kept. Nope. Sources can't agree on the name of his parents, so I'm not even going to concern the podcast with it. They'll say one name, and others say another. I'm not getting involved. Yeah. It's uh, easier that way. His, his 
his childhood was allegedly kind of how you would expect. He was raised to be a righteous child and didn't associate with any wicked children or activities, including politics and the corrupt business world. <laughs> he was very much a child who was not interested in worldly things and focused his life on his faith. In some accounts, his uncle was the Bishop of Myra, and under his power, the uncle made Nicholas a priest. Nice. As it was to pass, Nicholas's parents died, and with that, they left him their incredible fortune and wealth. Also, not surprising, he was like, I think, their only son. Yeah, I mean... Now, most people would take the money and focus on themselves, but Nicholas decided he wanted to do more than that. He decided to give it to those who were less fortunate than himself. Which leads to one of his most famous incidences, where he threw gold into the open window of an impoverished father to save his daughters from having to be prostitutes. This was also covered a bit more in depth in the Krampus episode. So. Uh, other things that I covered in that episode also include the uh, some of the rest of his influences, including traveling to the Holy Land, stopping unjust executions, becoming the Bishop of Myra, allegedly saving three boys from a cannibalistic butcher and punching someone in the face during the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE. Again, Santa was throwing hands back in the day. Which I think is still pretty cool. Yeah. Like, lump of coal? No, fist of five! <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone's gonna get their stocking stuff. Bam! <laughs> Andy comes in with the mistletoe steel chair. Wham! <laughs> It's Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've checked my list twice and you're on the naughty side. Brother. <laughs> All right. So someone needs to, uh, I know Randy Savage is dead. May he rest in peace. Yeah. But Randy Savage needs to be Santa Claus. I love it. And after his death in uh, 343 A.D., Nicholas was allegedly buried in Myra and then canonized and given sainthood. Nice. Albeit, albeit some sources will say that it was the 800s, others say it was in the 1400s, others go back to the 4 to 500s. So no one can agree on anything. Regardless, he is a saint. and He's now become a saint and it is a saint of a lot. And I read the entire list in the previous episode. Did you check it twice? I did. <laughs> and it still said the same thing as before. Of children, coopers, archers, prostitutes, brewers, I can pharmacists, the whole the whole nine yards. <laughs> it's just it seems like they were running out of people to be saints of, and they were like, uh archers, pharmacists, children, uh just <laughs> just give it to Nick. He'll he'll be fine. Just he's got yeah. it covered. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Like that's how I feel they were like, uh yeah, whatever. Just yeah. Give it to that guy. And, of course, he became a figure of veneration during the holiday season, with his feast day on December 6th, where good children would hope for good things from St. Nicholas, like presents and treats. But this tradition was more in alignment with those of the Catholic persuasion. Yeah. For those of the Protestant persuasion, back to Germany for a minute here, because I oh, somehow boy. can't get away from Germany. Clearly, you have a problem. The pro For those of the Protestant persuasion, thanks to Martin Luther, uh... And Children are visited by the Christkind. So, um, did you ever grow up, um, did you ever, uh, did you ever have, like, little angels or stuff on Christmas trees? We had a Christmas tree topper that was my grandmother's 
It was a little little angel. Yeah, you know, one of those porcelain doll sort of looking ones. That's what the Christkind was. The Christ the Christkind is essentially like a little childish angel thing. Uh, that was all set up because Martin Luther sought to reform the church, and the Protestant Reformation began. It was made clear that saints would no long were no longer needed, and thus they were seen as idol worship. Martin Luther said Can't that even agree on your own things. Martin Luther said that instead of Saint Nicholas giving presents to children, he said the presents for children would be given in the name of Christkind, which is the little angel-looking thing. This character is still in use in some Protestant areas in and Germany, al- and it's also evolved to being an elf on the shelf. <laughs> That seems like it when I think about it. I mean, yeah, it's a logical jump. But regardless, St. Nicholas still appears to be a major gift-giving figure elsewhere, so... Mm-hmm. It's very much a thing. In the Netherlands, moving to there now, the they celebrate Sinterklaas, which is the Dutch meaning of St. Nicholas. Yep. Sinterklaas is usually dressed in his red bishop's vestments, carrying his curled staff, sporting a long white beard, and usually riding a horse during his visits. Sinterklaas is also joined by a helper named Zwarte Piet, or Black Piet. <laughs> we may have to edit this out, I'm not sure, but that just made me think of Tom Sawyer and... Yeah, mm. uh, this is a very problematic thing, actually. Zwarte Piet is usually dressed in colorful Renaissance clothing, like very bright, colorful clothing. And blackface. Like, if you if you look up photos, it's very problematic. I'm not sure I want that in my in my history. <laughs> I will I'll take care of that for you. I'll and, bite the bullet on that. Which has made the it's obviously the character is very, very um questionable. Very, uh, very controversial is the word. That's the word. And it's it is bad. He also sort of takes on some aspects of Krampus, such as he carries around the rod to whip bad children. That's not making it better. (laughs) No, and carrying a bag that he might put kids in. The the photos are all just terrible. And in regards to the controversies, many of the larger cities in the Netherlands have since had the character changed into having patches of soot on his face, as it makes it look like he's been climbing in and out of chimneys, helping Sinterklaas with delivering presents. That's... Better? Uh, yeah, I even oh, have right here. If you look yeah. up depictions, it's... Yeah, I'm not posting a picture of uh, uh, Black w- Pete. You can just look d- him up. Yeah, no, just look him up. It is very bad. Like, it is very stereotypical, and it's... Oof. You're looking it up right now? No, I'm I'm not sure I want to, but yeah, I will. Yeah, it's very rough. Ah. It just... Yeah... Bright, colorful clothing, and then very obvious blackface. Oh, oh, mm, that's not good. Yep. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. The soot's better. The soot. It looks like you're just from Victorian era England, and you're also Dick Van Dyke. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's. That's how it is. Oh, that's uh Yeah, that that we're not putting that on the Instagram at nope. all. Like that is mm-hmm. one we are not going to do. That is You can uh, look up for your damn selves. Listener, look at listener, look it up on your own um on your own uh, Time. warning. On your own warning. 
We're anyway, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna move from Sinterklaas now. We're gonna move to England for a little bit here. Hopping, oh, hopping we're, gonna, we're gonna go with Dick Van Dyke. Okay, we're hopping to we're hopping over the channel into England. Uh, they have a figure who has a very much who is very much a major influence on Santa Claus, Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. During the English Reformation of the 15th century, Henry VIII broke from the Catholic Church and founded the Church of England. When you have so much power, you're like. I don't like your religion. I'll make my own religion. With blackjack and hookers. So, forget the blackjack. Pretty much. Yeah, just forget the blackjack. Going from Catholic to Protestant meant doing away with the veneration of saints as well. Thus, St. Nicholas was no longer a part of the Christmas traditions in England. Bastard. Instead, Father Christmas was brought in as a replacement for St. Nicholas. Father Christmas is usually depicted wearing long fur robes, either red or green, in color, and a wreath of holly on his head. What you got? It's the Costco St. Nicholas. <laughs> it's not, it's not the, it's, it's not Dr. Pepper. It's Dr. Thunder. It's just as good. But it's, you know. The image that he evokes very much makes me think of the ghost of Christmas present from a Christmas story, from a yeah. Christmas carol. Like, yeah. very much immediately. Father Christmas was very much created to bring joy and mirth during December, always depicted as jovial and cheerful. It should also be said that since England no longer celebrated December 6th, Father Christmas's involvement was moved to December 5th, Christmas Day. Which was the same day as Krampusnacht. Uh, Krampusnacht was December 5th. Yeah, so he moved it the same day as evil Santa. Yeah. And that was all that was all given away too, because I mean it's not part of the oh, yeah. tradition for yeah. England. He just happened to put yeah. it then got moved. It, he did the same thing I did for my anniversary. He just put it on the same date as the other stuff. So it's easier to remember. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It was moved to Christmas Day, which was the veneration of the birth of Christ in most uh yeah. Christian circles. <clears throat> in yeah. all Christian circles. Now it should be no surprise that Father Christmas was almost cancelled. I brought this up earlier about Santa being cancelled. In 17th century England, the Puritan-controlled government sought to ban Father Christmas and Christmas altogether because they saw it as the bastardized remnants of the Catholic Church. Thank you, Puritans. Puritans. (laughs) God damn it, we did it again. Third time's a charm. Luckily, though, they didn't maintain their power long, and eventually they left England. Toodaloo, bitches. Yeah, and then they came over and made America. And, and then messed up America. Yeah. Thus allowing Christmas Damn to... Re- Puritans. <laughs> Thus this allowed Christmas to return in full swing. One of the other reasons that the Puritans sought to ban Father Christmas was because he was seen as a bad influence on adults who would get drunk and sing clearly the most sinful of lives. Oh, that's just a Tuesday afternoon. What are you talking about? I know, right? <laughs> It wouldn't be until the Victorian era that Father Christmas became more associated with children and gift-giving. Yeah. So, like, all the getting drunk and singing and wassailing and that That, sort of thing. That's Krampus shit. That's... That's Krampus shit. That's devil worship. You you go do that on Krampus night. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now those were some of the key... Those were most of the key figures that had an influence on the creation of Santa Claus. So, how did they all lead to him? You know... Well, there's only one place that would allow for all of their different characters. The New World. When Dutch settlers came over in the 17th century, they brought Sinterklaas, 
and English settlers bringing along Father Christmas with them as well. The Germans would bring over the Christkind in the 18th century, and then, with their powers combined, Santa was born into the world. <laughs> sort of. Kind of. Not real, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> Santa, as we are familiar, is close in appearance to Father Christmas. His name is an Anglicanized version of Sinterklaas, and he delivers presents on Christmas, much like the Christkind. Or if you're from Halloween Town, it's just Sandy Claus. Pretty much. Even more, one of Santa's names, Chris Kringle, comes from Christkind, which means Christ Child. So, little yep. little bit of a hint for you. <laughs> I wonder where you're going with that. Yep. Famed American author Washington Irving. There he is. Also had a hand in the creation of Santa Claus. In a satirical book titled History of New York, Irving wrote it under a Dutch pseudonym, and he used it to make fun of New York's original Dutch colonizers. He mentions the character of St. Nicholas as looking like a pot-bellied Dutch sailor in a green coat while driving a sleigh on the treetops. No mention of the red coat, the North Pole, or the reindeer, though. You good there? I'm, I'm going to make this character. I'm going to make him a fat, drunk sailor. Weird, but okay, Washington. What next? He's going to drive a sleigh. Why? He's going to drive the sleigh on, on the top of trees. Go home, Washington. You're drunk. <laughs> and I actually have a little excerpt where it kind of talks about this. It's, uh, And the sage Olaf dreamed a dream, and lo, the good St. Nicholas came riding over the tops of the trees, in that selfsame wagon wherein he brings his yearly presents to children. And he descended hard by where the heroes of Communipa had made their last repast. And he lit his pipe by the fire, and he sat himself down and smoked. And as he smoked, the smoke from his pipe ascended into the air, and spread like a cloud overhead. And Olaf bethought him, and he hastened and climbed up to the top of one of the tallest trees, and saw that the smoke spread over a great extent of country. And as he considered it more attentively, he fancied that the great volume of smoke assumed a variety of marvelous forms, where in dim obscurity he saw shattered-out palaces and domes and lofty spires, all of which lasted but a moment, and then faded away until the whole rolled off, and nothing but the green woods were left. And when St. Nicholas had smoked his pipe, he twisted it in his hatband, and laying his finger beside his nose, gave the astonished Van Cortland a very significant look then mounted his wagon, he returned over the treetops, and disappeared. That is directly from... That is directly from uh, the history of New York. Nice. We're going to fast forward a little to 1821, where an anonymous... Is that him? That's the cat. We have a cat lying in between our two uh, podiums. My goodness. And, yeah... Yeah. Going like a freaking saw. Fast forward to uh, 1821, where an anonymous illustrated poem was published in a children's book called The Children's Friend, A New Year's Present, to the Little Ones from 5 to 12. That's the name of the book. <laughs> Pay, I swear, paid by the damn word. This poem was titled Old Santa Claus with Much Delight. And it's actually spelled, and Santa Claus is 
S-A-N-T-E-C-L-A-U-S. One word. Well, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yes. And it's a... I actually found a poem on Wikipedia. And I'm going to read it because I, I like a lot of this stuff. Old Santa Claus with much delight, his reindeer drives this frosty night, or chimney tops and tracks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to you. A steady friend of virtuous youth, the friend of duty and of truth. Each Christmas Eve he joys to come, where peace and love he hath made their home. Though through many houses he has been, and various beds and stockings seen, some white as snow and neatly mended, others that seemed for pigs intended. To some I gave a pretty doll, to some a peg-top or a ball. No crackers, cannons, squibs, or rockets to blow their eyes up or their pockets. Where'er I found good boys or good girls or boys that hated quarrels, strife, and noise, I left an apple or a tart, or a wooden gun or painted cart. No drums to stun their mother's ears, nor swords to make their sisters fear, but pretty books to store their mind with knowledge of each various kind. But where I found the children naughty, in manners crude, in temper haughty, thankless to parents, liars, swearers, boxers or cheats or base tale-bearers, I left a long black birchen rod, such as the dread command of God directs a parent's hand to use when virtue's path his sons refuse. In a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> that poem... The, the It actually has images associated with it. It's one of the first instances where we actually see uh, a depiction of Santa Claus, which is uh, very fascinating, really. It depicts him being pulled by a reindeer, but then also having a red coat and a brown fur hat, as well as a brown beard. But that's kind of all we have for that one. It's so not... this is before he hit the AARP age? Pretty much. This was 1821. <laughs> okay. But this was the first instance of all of that. And then, on December 23rd, 1823, everything changed. This was the date when the most famous poem regarding Santa Claus was published in a newspaper. A visit from St. Nicholas. Or, more popularly known, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." And all through the house. This is the very poem that cements everyone's image of Santa Claus. Yep. And I actually have a have the sequence have a excerpt right here. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly, that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his head and a twist of his a wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. I have not heard that in so long. Mm-hmm. Wow. It opens memories when you hear uh -huh. it. It was also in this poem that Santa was given the eight magical reindeer that pulled his sled in the night sky. 
Oh, wow. So yep. that's the origin story of them. They just mm-hmm. got plugged in. Like... Two, yep. And two of the reindeer also had slightly different names at it, too. It's, it's Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Dunder, and Blixum <laughs> in the original in the original 1823 poem. In some notes from writer Clement Clark Moore, Dunder and Blixum were changed to Donder and Blitzen. The original names were Dutch, and the new ones being German for Thunder and Lightning. So, Thunder and Lightning. Nice. Yep. Brief side note, while the poem was written anonymously, some scholars think that Clement Clark Moore was the author, but this has been up for a lot of debate. Mm-hmm. This poem also cemented the notion that Santa can travel down chimneys. Digging into a lot of it already. Yeah. There are a few other details about Santa that we haven't yet discussed, such as his elves. That stems to another poem that was in an 1857 magazine called Harper's Weekly. And it says here, In his house, upon the top of a hill, and almost out of sight, he keeps a great many elves at work, all working with all their might, to make him millions of pretty things, cakes, sugar plums, and toys, to fill the stockings hung up, you know, by the little girls and boys. The idea became further popularized in an 1873 Christmas cover illustration of a woman's magazine called Goaty's Ladybook. <laughs> Little too on the nose if you ask me. Right. Who's this magazine for again? I forgot. Cats, maybe? <laughs> God. So dumb. Oh, I hate God. you. Yep. And th- there's an illustration. I'll send you the photos. Send the photos. The illustration features Santa working in a workshop surrounded by elves as they make toys for children, which uh, I think is really freaking cool. Okay, so... Did it work? Did what work? Did you get the workshop of... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there he is with some elves. Okay, so I'm going to make some uh, comments about these elves. Yeah. There's one that looks like a satyr. In there. There's one that looks like he's wearing a McDonald's french fry bag on him. Like his head's where the M should be. And it looks like he has fries sticking out of the top. I'll have to... Oh, I see it. Yeah, that, that, that's a toy they're making right there, I think. Okay, that looks like an elf, though. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I see the face. Um, There's another one. There is a guy sitting at an ungodly angle on the S in Santa Claus. Or in Claus. Yeah. And I some and it looks like Pennywise the dancing clown is pickpocketing Santa. <laughs> <clears throat> That's funny. So yeah, um the fuck type of elves are those? Clearly uh a little bit on the mess up there. Uh now we come to quite possibly one of the single most important and influential people to be involved in the story of Santa Claus, Thomas Nast. Nast was a German-American cartoonist, specifically specializing in character work and political cartoons. I can guarantee you that you've seen quite a few of his works that have made their rounds oh, on the I'm internet. Sure, yeah. his, he has a very distinct style. Now, I want to say, keep in mind, most of the poems and books we've touched upon weren't illustrated. They were just all words. 
Minus the 1821 poem, Old Santa Claus, uh, there were no definitive images of Santa Claus. But then, during the Civil War, Thomas Nass drew his first depiction of Santa Claus, who was dressed in an American flag while holding a puppet named Jeff as he entertained and gave presents to Union soldiers. The puppet being a caricature of one Jefferson Davis. What's your name? But My name, Jeff. But this is the... <laughs> But this was the first time that Thomas Nast actually did Santa Claus. And he's entertaining Union soldiers. Yeah. But then in 1881, the most famous Nast illustration of Santa Claus became a thing. It was how we truly saw him. Bearded, jolly, and fat. So, un- God, when was Coca-Cola founded? Uh, not till the 1930s. Okay. And I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, I was Do not say, worry. That is, don't worry. Don't worry. If you don't talk about it, I think Coca-Cola is legally allowed to sue us. <laughs> Thomas Nast is also the one responsible for the idea that Santa lives at the North Pole. Yeah. The North Pole, back in the 19th century, was seen as this mysterious and no- unknown area that had failed to be properly explored. Yeah. At the time, there had been many unsuccessful expedition attempts up that way, it was also known by now that Santa flew around with magic reindeer and that reindeer lived in the far northern regions. So, Thus, it made sense that Santa yeah. would have to live at the North Pole. Nast drew an illustration of Santa living at the North Pole in a collage of engravings in 1866. It wouldn't be for another 60 years before a successful expedition to the North Pole was accomplished. Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen flew over the North Pole in a dirigible, thus finally removing some of the mystique about the North Pole. You ruined it! <laughs> Nonetheless, the idea of Santa still living up there has not left the public imagination. No. Yeah. And a few more details on Santa Claus here is that uh, the first thing is placing presents under the tree. Mm-hmm. Initially, presents would be put in stockings, not under Christmas trees. This was thanks to L. Frank Baum, most famous for the Wizard of Oz series. <laughs> Okay. He took some of his own liberties in his book, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, such as Santa being raised by woodland spirits, earning his immortality, and having ten reindeer with different names that could leap large distances almost to appear like they were flying. In the book, Santa leaves presents and stockings by the fireplace, unless he finds people who live in tents and they don't have fireplaces. <laughs> Instead, he would put trees on and under the trees near the tents. That's kind of where that hat came from. Okay. Yep. And then there's Santa's wife, Mrs. Claus. Where did she come from? Well, Santa had to sacrifice a virgin soul in order to appease the dark and holy forces at Christmas, and he was rewarded with a wife. Don't, I feel like you made that up. Of course I'm kidding. What do you expect? <laughs> In reality, she was just... In reality, that's actually true. Yeah, 100%. In reality, she was just the product of several authors who thought, does Santa have a wife? Like, that's just it. They were like, does Santa have a wife? And that's just how it happened. I could not find much more. That was all it was. It's just like, it's like the Bride of Frankenstein. Like, we need to keep going with this franchise. How can we... Make a female one. I mean, in the I mean <laughs> in, in the original in 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 the in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, 
they uh victor frankenstein did make a bride for the monster so not too far off but he but uh either he quickly destroyed i forgot if i think as she as she uh, realized what monster she was and she um killed herself or he killed her as a horror i don't know it I don't. It's been a it's been a long time, been a long time since I've read Frankenstein. Yeah, down to the point that I just don't care anymore. (laughs) But now on to the big one that a lot of people know Santa for: his red coat. Yep. For most of his time in the public's imagination, Santa is described as wearing a fur coat, but there is no color associated with it. I mean, I could definitely see like a standard like. bear fur or deer mm-hmm. fur just something nice to keep because it's fucking cold out up in the north pole damn it yeah many claim that santa's color scheme was an invention of coca-cola since coca-cola's brand is red and white and yep. santa has been used in marketing for the company but that's actually a modern myth because santa did have a red coat in that 1821 poem i read earlier coca-cola didn't even start using santa claus until the 1930s but it can't be denied that Coca-Cola did help cement the idea that Santa always wears red. Yes. Now, they didn't create it. They just added to the legend. And they just reinforced. Yes. And I'm kind of reaching to the end here, and this is a shorter episode, but I'm okay with that, since this is this is just a nice little holiday-based episode. I, yeah. I like those. Uh, there's one thing I will touch on. And I want to say that I did as much digging as I could on this. There are some folklorists and modern pagans who claim that the Norse god Odin was an influence on the modern portrayal of Santa Claus, and that Odin's eight-legged horse Sleipnir was the influence for the eight reindeer. But that doesn't really fit, as it were. Odin and Santa have long, wide beards, but sure, so do... But they can also see when you're... Or they can see you when you're being naughty and nice. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of other figures in various mythologies have long, white beards. Oh, yeah. And Sleipnir was a horse whom Odin would ride into battle. Sleipnir never pulled any sleighs, nor was he eight reindeer. I'm sure, eight legs, eight reindeer, totally. Plus, the the reindeer were a creation from a poem in 1823. Yeah. Someone, the author probably picked eight because it flowed the best. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're a poet, if you're a poet, you want the... Thing to flow well yeah there's also no evidence to support the idea that odin would bring presents to children during the time of yule the idea likely started from the internet more than anything with people claiming that odin was the influence for santa and since santa gave out gifts that meant that odin had to as well and so on yeah. and so forth gonna probably upset some um people who are pagan and you're more than willing you're more than willing to continue what you believe in everything but Based on what I could find, not really, not really capable of uh, uh, getting that answer. Like uh, Odin does not equal uh, Santa. Others also claim that Father Christmas was influenced by Odin, but that's also not likely since Father Christmas was a 15th century creation in response to England's separation from the Catholic Church. May he have been based on older folklore? Maybe. Yeah. But trying to find proper sources and stories was is not easy. And I mean I came across a bunch of different sites that 
made the claim that Odin was the insp- was an inspiration for Santa, but they were very one-sided in favor of the idea. Very much the very much like, you know, and they were also not um scholarly. They were very much the person who made it was very much a pagan and truly biased in their own stance. Oh yeah. And we're going to get people who are upset about this. You know, how dare you disrespect the All-Father? And like, I'm not trying to disrespect or disregard. I mean, I think it'd be cool if Odin was an influence on Santa, because, I mean, Odin is a pretty kick-ass god, if you ask me, just looking at some of his stuff. Yeah. But it's just trying to find credible sources to make that connection is not easy. Yeah, it's sparse, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Like... I want to believe, but at the same token... It's all right, Scully. We got it. <laughs> yeah. It... Anytime you bring religion into something, mm-hmm. it's going to divide. Yeah. And, I mean, even something as simple as Santa Claus. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> nearly got... I mean, character nearly got canceled quite a few times by Puritans because... Oh, they're Puritans! Nobody likes Puritans, except Puritans, and even then they and hate each other. And if you're listening to this podcast, Puritans, why? What are you doing here? Why are you here? But that's kind of all we have on Santa Claus. He, and obviously, massive influence in modern media and everything. Oh, yeah. Like, he's one of the most commercial figures that appears yeah, every time. It, that appears every time, every offend, year. This might offend some people, but I mean... In pop culture, Mickey Mouse, Jesus, Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's the three big guys. That They're the three you biggest figures. With. Yeah. Mac- Ronald McDonald's up there, too. Eh, he kind of, he's kind of died down. A little bit. He's fallen down the pegs a few. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, South Park? South Park's got it. Look at, there's a whole bunch, there's nearly like 20, there's like 20 different movies every year where there's at least one santa claus the miracle figure. on 34th street yes the original and the one with richard attenborough yep both are very good nightmare before christmas mm-hmm. south park like i said i mean robot santa and futurama <laughs> i mean there's yeah he's because it's such an influential figure that it's that's one of those things that will survive or outlive us mm-hmm. is the mythos of Santa. Oh yeah, it and and it's what what got me when I was researching all of this because I I very much felt like a child in a, a kid in a candy store when I was researching all of this. I didn't realize just how how recent a lot of the folklore surrounding Santa Claus mm-hmm. was. You think it's old because you know Santa's been around forever and ever and ever. And I mean, I mean, it is old by you know a couple hundred years. But, but. You, but you think it's further back. Mm-hmm. You think it's way further back. And uh, no, it's still a very recent development. And I think that's honestly a cool thing. Yeah, it really is. It's, And it's just nice that there's not a whole lot of, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You see the evolution of Santa Claus oh, yeah. for the most part. Everything was piecemealed around St. Nicholas. And yeah. then and once everything combined in the new world. It was like the Transformers. You just keep adding shit and it's like, okay, there we go. Final yeah. product. It was a Captain Planet situation. Yeah. Which, once again, I I thought was just 
really badass. Yeah. And it definitely made a figure that a lot of kids do look forward to getting a visit from. But man, they don't want to go visit him and sit on his lap. Good God, I was the kid who screamed when he had to go sit on Santa's lap. So you were terrified of Santa, uh, obviously, or at least freaked out by him. At least the idea, like the, the person that was sitting there, because I may have thought, that's not Santa! Of course not. <laughs> You're that asshole. <laughs> like, no. You're not the real Santa Claus. Say something <laughs> only Santa Claus would know. Yeah. But there were other times that I was younger and there would be somebody dressed as Santa Claus. And it was usually and it was usually a kind old man who did have his beard like actually grown out for yeah. the occasion. See, I was not like that. Yeah. <laughs> we we established earlier that you were the that you definitely like the you were the cynical kid who I was a dick. <laughs> what do I see I was is Yeah, I I I never sat in Santa Claus's lap because I didn't care. For, I, you know, I cried, but I think it was more out of frustration of why the fuck am I here? Yeah. Instead of oh god, it's scary. No, it was no. Yeah, there's uh, there's a photo of me somewhere. I think my grandparents and we went to go see Santa in my hometown, and I'm just crying. There's a it's got to be a photo somewhere like that. Now I wouldn't mind going to actually say, hey, how's it going here for a photo? Just just for the fun of it, because I'm a grown ass adult. I mean, grown is... Yeah. Adult is also kind of... <laughs> so, what do we have on the docket for next week, Donny? Um, well, I'm going to try and uh, sell you another house. All right. Man, you're really on this house selling thing. Are you getting into real estate now? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh-huh. All the time. Um, no, this one is in... God damn it, Ted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in uh, Long Island, New York. Well, it's on the south shore of Long Island, New York. So we were. So uh, last time we were at a haunted house all the way on the west coast. Now we're going to the east coast? Yeah, well, you know. From sea to, from sea to shining sea, huh? Yeah. That's how it does it. I'm an international house hunter. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, I'm looking forward to the next. I'm looking forward to the next house. See if you can sell me on it, yeah. and I'll make sure the check doesn't bounce this time. That's I don't believe that. <laughs> all right. Well, once again, everybody, thank you all for tuning in to Tall and Short with Tim and Tony. I really hope you learned something new today. I mean, I know I did because once again, this was Santa is such a recent um, phenomenon. Phenomenon. I didn't realize any of that, but. As always, please leave a comment, drop a rate and review. All the word of mouth helps us out. Logo by my friend Brittany. And please tell your friends, tell your dog, go tell uh, go tell the reindeer. They'll hop on the roof and tell the reindeer, please. Yeah, go tell them because they'll listen to you. Word of mouth tell helps. Tell Santa. Fun. Tell Santa about it. <laughs> See if we can get an interview with him. That'd be cool. And uh, word of mouth is always nice with these podcasts. And... Send an email to us at tallandshortpod at gmail.com. You can find the if you you can find it down in the description below. It, or what you got? Email us if you're a Puritan. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Tall and Short Podcast. That's where we post a lot of the images. We'll be posting images from um, obviously featuring the different versions of Santa Claus that we discussed today. We'll show you the evolution of Sandy Claus. Which I think is really cool. 
Once again, thank you everybody for listening and hope you all have a happy holidays and you manage to spend time with your friends, family, and loved ones and that you also do take care of yourselves during this time. It is a, this can be a rough period for some people, so please take care of yourselves. Yeah. If you got friends that aren't going anywhere for the holidays, check in on them. Yeah, please do. Like, without a doubt. Bring Tell them over, you know, you know they're spend your... time with your friends and family. Yeah, they're your family. Enjoy yourselves, please. Yeah. And with that, be sure to tune in for more Tall and Short, everybody. Take it easy.